Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptaw, C70 about at C70 on Twitter. Now, usually, you know that Tara Nichols uh, from uh, Birds on Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter usually is my co-host for this. But if you follow Tara, you probably know that her father passed away. Um, it's been a couple weeks, two, three weeks ago now, uh, very suddenly. Um, and, you know, it's unsurprisingly, Tara needs a little time to process that, especially since his connection to the Cardinals, that's how she got to the Cardinals, uh, is through her dad. So she's going to take some time off, uh, but I've got David Jones. You'll know him from iPop Editor on Twitter. He's been with us a couple of times. He's going to fill in for the next few weeks. And David, glad to have you as we get started on another season of Cardinal Baseball. Well, I appreciate you having me. It's good to be here, um, getting to do what I love to do more than anything else, or at least one of the things I love to do more than anything else, and that's talk Cardinals baseball. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it's fun. We've had two games um, under our belts now. Uh, Cardinals lost their first one, their second this afternoon. Um, before we get into those games, though, I mean, what is your feeling as you've heard the reports out of camp? Um, kind of seen the pictures, kind of seen the video. Is there anything that has stood out to you maybe even before the game started? Well, I always take a little bit of that with a grain of salt because, you know, everybody's in the best shape of their life, right. um, which Tyler O'Neill is probably in the best shape of his life in anyone's life. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, you always hear these positive things and if you buy into it and I, I try to be an optimistic guy. I mean, you think, man, we're going 162 and 0 this year and winning the World Series. Like these sure. guys are ready to play. They've, you hear about all the stuff about Paul DeYoung fixing his swing, and you know he's going to be excellent. Dakota Hudson has changed his delivery and, and things like that. And you know, it, you're ready to like run through a wall. But I mean, I, I like where this team is at. I don't think there are glaring holes. Uh, we're not going into this season thinking that Drew Verhagen is taking a rotation spot. So even though the rotation could be a little bit better, I, I do like where this team is at. And I think going into spring completely healthy is a really good thing. Yeah. I mean, knock on all sorts of wood because you never know how, you know, what's going to happen, but it always feels like the Cardinals get their injuries out of the way early. Um, they're usually, you know, traumatic ones that take out the whole year of the year, but they get done early. So, you know, if you get this far into the, the spring, you kind of feel a little bit better about it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you're right. I mean, you look at these guys and you see them on the, the backfields or they're taking batting practice against each other. And you can't really judge a lot from that. I guess the only thing that was a little bit interesting, and again, you can't take anything away from it for me, uh, was this week when, Giovanni Gallegos was taking, uh, you know, doing the live VP or whatever, but with the pitch clock, you know, because obviously, as we know, the pitch clock is not Giovanni Gallegos's friend. Um, and so he's going to have to make some adjustments. And it was very interesting, you know, just hearing, you know, reading Jeff Jones or, or Derek Gould or others that were there, you know, that he, you know, he had a number of pitch clock violations and it felt like, and again, we don't know, the, the, that he kind of got hit a little bit. Um, which, I mean, it's BP. I guess he's going to. But I think it's a little, I don't know. Do you read in, enough into it, the fact that the Cardinals like then said, you know what, he's not going to pitch in the first game. After all, we're going to put him back on the backfields and work on this a little bit more. Is this going to be an issue all this year? Or do you think it's just, you know, you just got to get this muscle memory going and, and eventually by the time the bell rings, it'll be fine and we won't talk about it again? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I know there's some that say don't put any credence into what happens in spring. I mean, if 
if Paul DeYoung comes out hitting 450 mm-hmm. at the end of spring, so what? Right. This is one of those issues that I I do think this is something because his struggles with time have been well documented for years. And the fact that he's kind of admitting to this and the team is admitting to this. And when I saw that they pulled him away from actually playing in a game, that's when I thought, okay, there's more going on here. Now, is it physical? Is it mental? I don't know. Um, I know that I've heard some people speculate that with the power pitchers that they like taking a full 30 seconds or 45 seconds because it let their arm heal. And so Mm -hmm. I even heard some say like a guy like Helsley who might be throwing 100 suddenly he may be throwing 98 because he doesn't have that full chance to to let his arm rest. Now, I was happy today to see him hit triple digits. Now, what's going to happen when we get to July and August? Is that right. still going to be happening? I don't know. But it was still nice to see. With Gallegos, yeah, I, I am a little bit concerned there. It seems like he may have to get over a mental hurdle before he can get over the physical hurdle. And... I, I don't know, maybe by June and July, this is a non-issue, but right now it does seem like it's kind of affecting things. Yeah. I, I, you know, again, you you don't want to read too much into it. And I, and I'm definitely um, one that's going to read too much into it, but you do wonder about how, you know, Gallegos has made his career. He's made his effectiveness on a certain way of pitching. And then you take that and you say, okay, well, you've got to do the same thing, but in less time. I just wonder, I wonder how effective that is going to be and how you can make those changes because that's a lot of, you know, like I say, muscle memory, you know, when you tell, you know, you have to be thinking about it every single time. Not only you have to think about what you're going to pitch and where you're going to pitch it, but then you got to think about getting it done in, you know, 20 seconds or 15 seconds or whatever the case may be. Um, So I don't know. I, I think that's interesting. What is your thought here as we've started spring training about this pitch clock thing and the focus that seems to be on it. Um, now that you, and I, ho- I hope you've, you've had a chance to watch at least some of the last couple of games. Has it changed your opinion on the, on the feel of the game? What are your thoughts on that? I'm kind of iffy. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like a 65 year old man in a 30 something <laughs> year old body where I've never been annoyed by pace of play. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's a weeknight and the Cardinals are playing on the West Coast, sure, it'd be great for those games to get over earlier. So I'm not deciding, do I go to bed at midnight or do I miss some of it? I've never been annoyed by three-hour games, but I get that some people are. So seeing the games at two hours and 33 minutes, that's fine. Watching these games, for one thing, and I know this is going to change in regular season, seeing the pitch clock has annoyed me because my eyes go right to it. I feel like I'm watching like college basketball and the shot clock is winding down. And I'm like expecting the crowd to start chanting like three, two. <laughs> so that's annoyed me. And I'm glad that's going away. Um, there is a, an element of it. I, and I guess some of it depends who's on the mound. Like I was watching Miles Michaelis pitch and it just looked natural. No big deal. Mm-hmm. There've been some other guys where I feel like I'm watching the game. Like I hit the fast forward button on right. my TV yeah. and it's just a little too fast. And I thought, man, if they had an extra five seconds, Maybe this doesn't feel so rushed. Like it just seems like almost reminds me of, Hey, let's hurry and get through this because the rain's coming and we want to beat the rain delay. Um, I I don't know. I I think I will probably adjust to it. And it's one of those things that by next year at this time, I don't even notice, but right now it's still a little bit different because change is different. What have your thoughts been on that? How, how has it felt to you? Well, I'm kind of a lot of, a lot of what you're saying. It really reverberates with me as well, because I haven't, I have, I have never been worried about time of game. I, you know, pace of play is one thing, right? You don't want 
a guy, you know, 15 pickoffs at first and, and taking <laughs> forever and guys backing out of the, you know, continuing to adjust their batting gloves and things like that. I get as long as there's action and things moving. But I also think that I think it is telling that baseball is saying, okay, we're going to play the regular season under these rules, but when it comes to the playoffs and when the games actually matter, then we're not. Um, and granted, hopefully those players have kind of gotten adjusted to that and you're, you're, you're not really needing it in the postseason. But I think it's also the fact that, you know, there's a lot on this. And so if there's a lot on playoff games, there's a lot on, you know, games in, in September or, you know, you know, late September, you know, when, when a pennant race is on the line. I don't know. I, it hasn't been that big of an issue for me. I, I would, I don't know. I, I, and you're right. Again, the first game I saw was um, the Royals and no, it wasn't the Royals. It was Seattle and San Diego on Thursday, I think, or Friday and watched a little bit of that. And that stadium, the clock was right behind the batter. And I, I felt like I was watching the clock more than actually watching the game. You know I mean? Yeah. I saw that too. And I hated that. Yeah. Yes. Um, today, you know, cause yesterday, on the on Valley Sports, you know, they kind of occasionally put it down in the corner. Today it was down there with the, you know, um, only only when it got down to like seven seconds or something like that in where the in the bug where the uh, uh, bases were. It, that seemed a little bit less obtrusive, and so I, I could deal with that. Um, if they when they get to Bush Stadium and there's a big clock behind them, I, I'm not going to be real fond of that. But you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, I do like I said, I, I think it's a little bit overkill. Um, I think <laughs> I thought it was very interesting that Brendan Schaefer put out, you know, look, guys, y'all are going to be pretty disappointed when you're, you know, a gate an hour and a half into the game and they're cutting off beer sales because they're, <laughs> you know, in the seventh inning. And, you know, to some of that is like, where's that balance, right? If you go to a ball game and you've made the effort and, and everything to get there, you know, do you want a two hour game? I mean, it's like, I just got here, you know, I just fought this traffic and now all of a sudden the game's over. I mean, I get you don't want a four-hour experience necessarily, but but again, I don't go to too very many ball games, and I know that a lot of people are going to enjoy this. So you're right; I'll adjust. I am an old cranky man, um, I, and I get that. I have I'm still one that argues against wild cards, so I, you know, <laughs> I, I, it's just not <laughs> no pleasing me. I don't guess. Um, so we have seen a couple of games. Um, any takeaway? I mean, just looking at that, and I haven't. I've watched about three or four innings of probably each game I haven't really got the sense to watch a whole lot of it, but is there anybody that stood out for you so far? I, I don't want to overreact to things. And it's one of those things. If someone's not doing well yet, then I'm not even, that's not on my radar. I don't care mm-hmm. at this point. If someone's doing something spectacular, however, that will catch my attention and Jordan Walker. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Um, that bomb. And we're not talking about a bomb off a pitcher that's going to be an A ball right. in a few months. I mean, he hit that off Johnny Cueto and 420 feet, 108.9 miles per hour off the bat. I mean, goodness sakes. I mean, he's it's what's advertised, but it's nice when you see what's advertised actually taking place. And so that was that for me was just saying that was great to see. I mean, Mason Wynn getting a couple hits. I mean, if someone said, yeah, Jordan Walker hit a 400 plus bomb, Mason Wynn had two hits and Nolan Gorman had two hits. My question is, you know, is this going to be 2023 spring training or are we talking 2028 regular season? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool seeing the young guys perform like that. Uh, outside of that, it's nice to see some guys getting work, 
but yeah, nothing that I would overreact to, but yeah, when you see, when you see Jordan Walker hit one of those, you're just like, okay, yeah, I can get used to this for the next 15 years. So again, to, you know, greatly overreacting and, you know, obviously Jordan Walker is on a hall of fame um, trajectory now, but um, (laughs) do you, I mean, where have you, where do you think Uh, a lot of people talking about him having a chance to make the team? Um, I'm still of the opinion that there's a lot of guys in front of him that the Cardinals still want to look at, and they're not necessarily wanting him to, you know, be a bench guy in the major leagues. They'd rather have him play at Memphis. But is there, I mean, is there a scenario where he forces his way on? Because this is a good start for that. I'm going to say this pretty definitively. Jordan Walker does not make this team out of spring, barring like three outfield injuries. Mm -hmm. I think he could hit 335 home runs, look great. I still don't think he's going to make the team, and I'm okay with that. I don't think this has anything to do with not starting his clock or anything like that because right. rules have changed and, and stuff like that. But like you said, I think the Cardinals, you, you never want to say a team has too much depth, but the team almost has too much depth this year that – it's going to be a struggle getting guys at bats. Guys who would be starting for many other teams are going to struggle to find at bats right now. And especially with the outfield situation, I think that's going to keep him from getting brought up. Now, will we see him this year? I think so. I just, I don't think he makes the team no matter how well he does. And I, the guy, I mean, he's 20 years old. He's never played in triple a, he still has some things to work on. Um, his swing still a little bit flat uh he's still working on getting a little more lift into the ball i think being at memphis will do him a lot of good getting to face triple a pitching guys who are on the cusp of being the majors or who have been in the majors so i think there's still a lot of learning that needs to go on there but i'm excited about it um it for me it doesn't matter what he does in spring i'm going to be excited no matter what because we know he's the future but I, i i feel very confident saying right now he does not make this team uh out of spring training yeah, it feels like that. But you're right. This is a spring that has a lot of young guys that don't necessarily have a, a role on the on the major league team, at least to start with, but it, are interesting to watch, right? I mean, you, you mentioned Mason Wynn as well, getting getting a chance to play um, today. And Walker, you've got, you know, Ivan Herrera, who's probably going to have some time in the major leagues of this year. But you know, again, trying to figure that out with Contreras being here now is a is an interesting situation, and, and some other young guys that, it, for the fact that this team is has a lot of veteran presence, there's a lot of youth here now. All of a sudden, it feels like I mean, I mean, granted, you lost a lot of of age with Yachty and and Albert Pujols retiring, but it still feels like almost like you flipped a switch and this new generation is here. Um, it's not, you know, still looking ahead. These guys are either going to be on this team or going to be on this team very shortly. And I guess that's a really the good thing about Cardinal baseball is you don't have a, a window. You just have this gradual transition and you're still competitive the whole time, but you transition from one batch to another batch without even, knowing where one ends and one one begins. Yeah. And can I just for a second go like full conspiracy theorist, um, <laughs> fake blue check Mark blogger on you with, with some of this, uh, and this involves Jordan Walker a little bit, but 
with this youth movement and what's going on, and we see like there's so many interchangeable parts. You got guys that can play so many positions. Mm-hmm. One of the things that has stood out to me in the first couple of weeks is hearing about Tyler O'Neill wanting to play center field. And then in the first game, the Cardinals put him out in center field. Now, it, it makes sense for a lot of reasons. Um, when you look at some of the analytics, he has a better first step. He has better sprint speed than Dylan Carlson. The guys won a couple gold gloves. It, it makes sense why you would put your best outfielder out there. Now, you look at the injury concerns and his injury history, and then maybe not. But But I get that. However, and this is where, let me overreact to that news. And I'm not saying I believe this, but I'm saying you can make this leap. If you are putting that speed in center, you go to right field and you're putting Lars Newbar there, who also has very good sprint speed, a very good first step off the ball. You're covering two thirds of your outfield with your fastest guys. So what does that do? That leaves left field open potentially for a guy whose defense may not quite be where it needs to be yet which could be a Mr. Jordan Walker to take over there. Now, today, where does Jordan Walker start? He starts in left field. So, like I said, this is me overreacting to that news, but I could see how one could make the leap and then say, ah, does this mean then that Dylan Carlson is potentially on the trade block for a starting pitcher or who knows? Or, you know, maybe maybe they're going to finally trade him for Juan Soto, uh, <laughs> one for one, like we've been hearing about. But I think I'm making too big of a leap there, but it's one of those things that we're seeing that youth movement and those interchangeable parts in the outfield where you have so many guys that can play so many positions. Um, it It's going to be fun to watch, but it does make me question, is there something else that could be going on? Some movement could, could we see the youth being put in? Could we see some of the youth being traded? I don't really know at this point, but the Cardinals have a lot of good players who can play a lot of positions. Yeah, and I think I think we've seen I mean I get what you're saying in your conspiracy, you know, hat <laughs> type of thing. Um and I think there's something to that in the fact that they want to leave that option open. Um if it become even if it's not for the beginning of the year, if it's for June or July when Jordan Walker's ready to come up, then they can you know, if Tyler O'Neill's hitting and, and Dylan Carlson's not, then Tyler O'Neill could shift into to center, or maybe he's already been playing there and, and it won't matter. But um, I think it's also that the Cardinals have, are just, it may be just trying to have that many options so you can maximize your team each and every day, right? I mean, if if the numbers say that Tyler O'Neill hits a guy better than Dylan Carlson, then you could put Tyler O'Neill out in center and, you know, Carlson could be your guy off the bench that day, you know, with Newt Barr and you know, maybe Burleson out there in the apple. Maybe that's the lineup that works. Um, and you don't have to put a player out there that's suboptimal on that day. I'm not saying that Dylan Carlson is a suboptimal player by any means, but, you know, maybe against that pitcher he is. And so you don't have to run him out there because he's the only center fielder you have. Um, it is interesting that, you know, the outfield is flexible like that. The infield is somewhat flexible like that. I mean, the corners are kind of locked down, but you know, the middle infield could, could shift around depending on how things go. Um, I just, I just feel like this is kind of this new era of baseball and they have a manager that can handle that. I mean, the Cardinals tried to do be really flexible with Mike Matheny and it didn't work. And then they had to go and shift to be like extremely rigid because and that didn't work. But, um, but a guy like Ollie Marmol, who is open to some 
new ideas and new approaches, um, it feels like having those extra tools, having those extra options is just another thing for him to, you know, make a better lineup if necessary. Yeah. And if I'm speaking like realistically, what I think is happening, I really think this is more analytics driven that them looking at it and saying, if we put Tyler O'Neill, a healthy Tyler O'Neill in center field, we have Lars Newtbar in right field that maximizes the defense in the outfield. And that includes putting Dylan Carlson in left. Dylan Carlson is a fine defender. He's doesn't quite have the same speed that Tyler O'Neill has in center field. Um, and, and I know some people are saying, well, this is O'Neill stealing Carlson's position. Not necessarily. I mean, people forget that was Harrison Bader's position. Carlson kind of, I don't want to say got forced into it, but he, they needed somebody to step up and he did. And so he played that for the rest of the year. I think some of this too, I think this is the team trying to light a fire under Carlson. Mm. I think this is them trying to push him, letting him know there is a little bit of competition here and seeing how he responds. But I think that they view him as a key component to this team and they're looking to maximize what they do. But when you do put O'Neill out there, like you mentioned it, if you have Burleson, if you have Yepes, if you happen to have Jordan Walker out there, or maybe it's a Brendan Donovan on a certain day, uh, that makes the outfield better having O'Neill in center as long as he can stay healthy. And mm-hmm. as we've seen in the past years, that's no given. Right, right. And there's no given, you know, Dylan Carlson has also had his issues over the last little bit, right? And so, you know, having another guy that could cover for him if he does get hurt or is a little bit ineffective doesn't is not a bad thing either. I, I just think it's very interesting also if the reporting is accurate, which I'm sure that it is, um, that Tyler O'Neill's the one that pushed this, not necessarily the team. I don't know what the team would have necessarily done. Uh, I mean, Tyler O'Neill has played some center, so I'm sure that they would put him out there anyway. But it's very interesting to see that he was the one that kind of spearheaded this change and the team went along with it versus I feel like a lot of times it's the team that says, hey, come to camp getting ready to play center field uh, instead of the other way around. Yeah, and we don't know what's being said behind closed doors either. Sure. I mean, they could be saying, you know what, you're playing this position in the World Baseball Classic. Let's go ahead and give you some reps there before you leave. You'll go and play it there for Canada, and then we'll see what happens. But, you know, while he's gone, somebody's got to play center, so Carlson's going to have his shot. So it could be one of those things that they're just letting him play it now because he's going to be playing it for the WBC um, and to see how it plays out and see how it looks like in actual game situations, and then they can reevaluate in a few weeks and see how things are going. But there could be more going on or this could be something. It could be nothing. I, I don't put, I don't, even though I gave that conspiracy theory about a trade on the horizon, I don't think anything is actually coming. Sure. Um, I think this is them just trying to look at all options and see what's going to be the best situation. Um, again, two days. So you can't take a whole lot of out of it. It was probably good to see Paul DeYoung uh, with a base hit yesterday and, I, you know, at least I saw his second at bat. He got down, I think, one, two and wound up maybe grounding out, maybe flying out. I don't remember, but he didn't strike out. I, and that was a big thing, too. I'm very interested to kind of keep an eye on if this swing change, you know, this, you know, much ballyhooed <laughs> swing change. Um, well, I don't I don't expect Tyler um, Paul DeYoung to be like an all star shortstop anymore. But if he's, you know, passable, that's a lot better than what we've seen over the last couple of years. And you know, I think that's not impossible. I, I don't know if I believe that he's going to be, but, you know, I don't think it's impossible to see a at least improved Paul DeYoung this year. 
Yeah, and, and I'm rooting for the guy. I mean, he's been kicked down by so many fans. Um, and by all accounts, seems like a great dude, um, a guy who wants to win, a guy who's trying. It's just whether there's a mental block there or whatever it is. I mean, he hit great in spring last year when he went down to Memphis. It looked like everything was figured out and he was crushing the ball. He comes up, he's crushing it again, and then it just falls off again. And so I, I'm rooting for him. I hope he finds something that works. I just worry that no matter how good he does, it's going to fall off completely again. I hate that. I hate assuming that, but we've seen that happen too many times. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> Paul DeYoung would have to have a good season through like July before I think we really actually believe <laughs> it, right? I mean, you know, it's like when when when's the drop off coming? So, um, but you know, it, it's also nice to not have to go into a season expecting and relying on Paul DeYoung to be your shortstop um, and, and need him to produce. You know, whatever you get out of him this year is is kind of a bonus and that's that's a nice thing um, absolutely the only person i have like i said limited watching the only person i've even seen really struggle um over the last two days was jordan hicks today uh walked three guys um gave up a couple of fluke hits that uh, uh, he wasn't hit hard in you know kind of infield variety uh, but the walks is a troublesome because I, that's one thing that, you know, has always held Jordan Hicks back has been a little bit on the control side of things. I think, um, you know, how far into spring training do you think you go before you get concerned on a player like that? Cause obviously one game you don't, you know, okay, whatever. If he comes out next time and he's still, you know, walk up a batter or two, maybe it's no big deal, but you know, after third or fourth outing and he's still having this, is is that a time for concern or do you just say maybe chalk it up to working on something? Yeah, and what you just said at the very end there was what I was going to bring up because mm-hmm. we don't know what they're doing. You know, I've heard Wainwright go out. Um, you know, he's had a bad outing in spring sometimes and he'll say, oh, well, I was working on this particular pitch and I threw it more times than I normally would have or I wanted to get a feel for it. And so he wasn't worried about the result. He was just basically – using it as though he was throwing to his own guys. Like it wasn't a big deal. Uh, So I don't know with, with Hicks, you know, five, six outings, if we're still seeing issues, then, then maybe there's something there. Uh, But the first few outings, I mean, who knows? Adrenaline may be pumping. You may have some nerves pitch clock for the first time might throw some guys off. I'm not concerned too much right now. Um, I mean, we have seen this from him before. We also saw him finish the year looking incredible last year. So uh, unless there's an injury concern there, I, I'm not going to look too much into it until we're getting close to the end of spring. Well, and to wrap the show up, we need to go back to the beginning. And I mean the beginning of yesterday's game, because apparently drama is going to be the key word right now, at least when it becomes to Ollie Marmol and cb butner um the non-handshake heard around the world um you know again ollie got thrown out last year by buckner um and had some fairly choice words for him then and apparently not buckner not a big believer in forgive and forget type of thing (laughs) um again it's it seems a little silly to talk about but when you've got an umpire, you know, back in the day, it was, uh, what was it, Earl Weaver and, oh man, I can't remember the umpire's name, Ron Luciano. And it got so bad between those two guys that they would never assign Luciano to Weaver's games because you just couldn't do it. 
Um, it's been a long time since they've had anything like that, but there is, I mean, fans already don't trust the umpires, right? I mean, that's just the fan, nature of the fan. Mm-hmm. But when you've got a situation like that, it's very difficult to, it, it becomes, it leads a little credence to any kind of questionable call. Yeah, you know things are bad when Angel Hernandez is part of that crew <laughs> and he is not the one being mentioned as the terrible umpire. Exactly. I this I, you know, I I get a little uncomfortable sometimes when I see managers going out there and arguing with umpires and I, I Mike Matheny was not a great manager, but I had respect for him. Like they said that it took a lot for him to get thrown out because he was not gonna drop F bombs, he was not gonna right. cuss at umps, and he basically had to beg them to throw me out. Um <laughs> I have respect for that because you want to be careful. Like a game is a game and you could argue a bad call, but you got to be careful about taking personal shots at people. You also have to be careful about letting things linger beyond the game. And so to not shake a man's hand when we're talking months later, and I got to imagine, I mean, CB Buckner, you can look at the numbers. He's not a good umpire. So you got to think he's heard worse things than you need to retire. You're not good at your job. I got to think he's heard much worse than that. So for him to not shake a manager's hand a season later, I mean, come on, man, like grow up a little bit. Like that's just, that's so high schoolish, like little kiddish. And what I think is probably going to happen too, we're going to see Ali get fined for his comments that he made after the game. And we're not going to hear anything that happened to Buckner. We're going to hear that things were maybe handled internally or something like that. Or maybe he was given a warning, but it seems like a lot of these umpires are just above or they're above reprimand that like you just, you cannot touch them. Um, Nothing bad happens to them. Like making a bad call is one thing, but I mean, this is so immature and such a bad look. Yeah, it's I think it's going to be very interesting to see. Of course, you know, you may have the strike zone may not be an issue for the umpires coming forward. So maybe that's will change things, too. But you know what? They had 20 something umpires retire over this last winter, brought in 20, you know, pretty new ones. That's new blood. And it's going to be interesting to see how umpires change as some of these guys are gone right joe west is out of the game now at some point buckner and hernandez will be gone you know i i feel like those are the names we know and part of that's because they've been around for a while part of that's because they've been terrible for a while but (laughs) um you know the new guys i mean you may recognize them because you just heard their name you know if you but I don't think they necessarily have as much of an issue yet we'll see if that continues um but you got to feel like if players are coming up with a more analytical review and, and and a different approach in this era, you know, if managers are approaching things differently, then umpires are probably going to approach things differently as well. I mean, they're getting trained in some of the old issues, but they're, this is a generation that's coming up knowing that instant replay is over their shoulder, right? I mean, that's not what, you know, Buckner and Hernandez and West and all those kind of guys that we complain about, that, you know, that they got set in their ways before the, before they had instant replay you know, this, this group that we've got now, um, are, are know that, you know, they're going to be reviewed. They're going to, you know, in real time. Um, and, and maybe that changes a little bit of the arrogance that you get with an umpire and to some degree, an umpire has to have a little bit of that too, but, um, I don't know. I agree that, you know, Buckner should have 
even if he did, even if he was holding a grudge, you know, just pretend like you're not, you know, I mean, there's, there's things that go on. And I, I feel like they're, you know, that's part of, like I said, it's part of the deal. You know, I'm part of those that a manager's going to get upset and call him out and you can't do anything about it, unfortunately, um, because you can't go to the press and call the manager out. You know, that, that would be, be great newspaper, but I don't think that, uh, you know, it's going to go over very well. So, I don't know. I thought it was, I mean, I was just kind of reading this yesterday because I missed that part. And it's just a, a strange look. And I guess it would just have to be the Cardinals to, Cardinals <laughs> to start this thing off that way. Daniel, do you remember the name of the umpire who called the perfect game in the World Series last year? Uh, no, I don't. I remember that. It exactly. Happened, yeah, exactly. exactly. You don't remember his name and I don't remember his name. And outside of his family, I don't think anybody remembers his name Mm-mm. because if you, if an umpire's name is known, it's not for good reasons. Now I just looked it up. It was Pat Hoberg, but, um, that's the thing. Like you, the umpires you named, they don't exactly have the best reputation. Now, Joe West, Joe, Joe West was a pretty bad umpire at times, but mm-hmm. from what I understand outside of the game, players loved him. Nice yeah. guy country music star i guess star is um subjective but yeah the guy had some personality but man when when you're hated inside the game and outside the game whoo yeah i mean yeah. come on i mean we but of course we see that in college basketball too with there's certain refs that like when you know they're coaching your team's game look out because mm-hmm. there's gonna be 45 fouls called in six technicals uh, we yeah. see it in other sports as well nfl but man like it, uh, you, you, you're there to do your job and not necessarily have your name known among right. the masses. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It will be interesting to see how this goes forward. Yeah. I think, I think Doug Harvey is the only umpire that was ever known for being good. You know what I'm saying? I mean, anytime you've mentioned a, 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 an umpire other than that, it's because there's something on, on, you know, whether, you know, I mean, Jim Joyce, obviously, missed a call in the wrong time. Um, and he wasn't necessarily a bad umpire. You just, you know, got thrust in the spotlight. Don Dinkinger, I have no mm. idea what kind of umpire he was, except for the one call that he, you know, obviously blew. Um, so it doesn't take much, I guess, to get your name um, emblazoned if you mess up. But yeah, um, but with somebody like Jim Joyce, though, like the humility that he yeah, showed after that, right. like, I, I think, like, and especially, and I think probably Galarraga, the way he responded mm. to was great with a lot of grace. But like after hearing him apologize, I was like, man, I feel bad for this guy. Right. Like for him to step up and say, you know, I screwed up. I made a mistake. I, I, that takes a lot of guts and a lot of humility to do. But today it's like, you know, umpire messes up. They go hide in their secret bunker and maybe a spokesman comes out and says something. Maybe not. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Or and and I think we've often seen where umpire messes up and gets called on it during a game and then takes it out on that team. Right. I mean, that something else, you know, later on, you know, comes up and, you know, it's, it's the whole, it snowballs to some degree. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to get you, get back for you showing me up, even though they showed him up because he was wrong. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's very interesting. Um, and you know, you're right. We probably won't hear anything about Buckner. It'll be very interesting to see if maybe he's not, doing very many Cardinal games this year. I think that's going to be something to kind of keep track of and see. I know that we'll know anytime he's there. Um, I don't also, you're right. I don't know how they put CB Buckner and Angel Hernandez on the same crew in one game. And you have to expect something was going to happen, even if it was. 
<laughs> beginning of spring training. Mm-hmm. Cardinals have some games this week. I think they play just about every day this week. Um, and then I guess some guys are starting to go. I think uh, Tommy Edmond and uh, Lars Newtbar this week will leave for their WBC teams. Um, what do you think about the WBC? I mean, are you excited about looking forward to that? I absolutely love it. I, I'm a big fan of like the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, now the Winter Olympics were kind of a letdown because of all the political mess going on. But um, I, I, I love the Olympics. I like country against country competing. I thought the last World Baseball Classic was just amazing. Just cheering for Team USA. Of course, you had the the Yachty and the Baez moment that just keeps getting replayed. It was so <laughs> cool. Um, I just, I absolutely love it. Like, love it to the point that I'm already like getting anxiety over Team USA's pitching situation. <laughs> And their starters that have had to drop out. And, and I'm thinking like, okay, we've got Wainwright, Michaelis, Lance Lynn. Like, I mean, are we about to start throwing in like Anthony Reyes to this list? <laughs> Which former Cardinals can we? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, there's a part of me that's a little worried about some of the pitchers' arms and what might happen. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be watching every game. And the fact that we have Cardinals playing for Korea and playing for Japan, it, it makes those games even more fun to watch. So mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much I can find a reason to watch any game and totally miss out on sleep because yeah, I absolutely <laughs> love it. Are you all in on this or is it still kind of one of those iffy things for you? I like it. I, I enjoy it. Um, it is. Yeah. I don't know if I've watched a whole lot of it over the years, partly because yeah, you might, I might catch the last couple of innings of those Japan games, uh, because they're on at four o'clock in the morning or whatever the case may be. <laughs> um, and just trying to figure out when they're on and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I, I think it's really, I think it's great. And I think it's a good way for, for baseball to try to get, you know, expand their reach. Um, you know, games like the London series and the games that are in Japan and other places like that. I think anytime they can get their product out there, I mean, that just helps another generation really appreciate the game and, and to start, you know, following up and, you know, Maybe at some point in time, I mean, we're talking decades down the road, but, you know, maybe there is a European baseball league or something like that. And then you can maybe at some point have a true World Series. Um, You know, I don't know if that's even possible, but it feels like, you know, this is the kind of the first steps towards something like that. And, you know, it's a good thing. I, I think that's, you know, we like baseball. Um, We like to see people watching baseball. Um Apparently, we want to see less baseball since we have pitch clocks. So that's another story. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great thing. And, and I'm interested to see how it, it all pans out as well. And, you know, it's good that for the most part, I know we all remember Mitchell Boggs, but for the most part, there hasn't seemed to be a whole lot of hangover or issues coming out of the WBC into a season. And hopefully that continues again this year. Yeah, I think for the batters, this could be a very good thing. I think mm-hmm. this party puts them in game mode. Pitchers, yeah, a little worried, but I, I don't remember them having anyone throw a ton of pitches. It's basically uh, like a normal game, just a little bit more yeah. adrenaline probably. Yeah, and I think for baseball, if you want to draw more fans to the game, use this. Mm-hmm. This will go a lot longer of a way than a pitch clock issue or a, a three batter minimum or something like that. No, you've got Mike Trout, one of the greatest baseball players of all time playing for team USA market the heck out of him for this, because it, I mean, 
he's playing at nine o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night, depending on where you are in the country mm-hmm. are in the country. Sometimes people aren't seeing him. So yeah, you want people to know about him. You want people to know about Mookie Betts. Um, you know, we know our guys very well, but yeah, you want the rest of the country to see Nolan Arenado making the incredible play. I mean, this is a chance to put Otani on some time slots that he's not normally at and let people see him pitch and let people see him play. I, I think, if I remember right, Fox, I think has the rights to this. Um, I'm hoping this doesn't get buried on, you know, like FS one for some of these games, like put these things on Fox prime time, um, animal control on Fox can wait another week or something, (laughs) please. But yeah, this is how you market yourself. Um, I mean, get people all, you know, patriotic about this, no matter what country they're in. And this will draw fans to the game. I hope if it's done right, that's, Baseball has a marketing problem right now, and this is one way to kind of fix that if they do it the right way. Yeah, and it's baseball, so they probably won't. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we can hope. We can hope. David, it's been good. Uh, look forward to having you on for the next few weeks. And, uh, you know, by the time next week, we'll have another set of games and hopefully a little bit more um, insight on what this team looks like. But, uh, yeah, it's been fun. It has. And I would guess by this time next week, we'll be talking about somebody who's been removed for precautionary reasons for some type of tightness. So we'll have that to talk about because it, it's always coming. Yeah. yeah. Once you get into that game mode, they always something always seems to be that way. So we'll, we'll find out here. So until next week for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. See ya. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.